racial division, vax versus non-vax division, mass versus non-mass division, like like families versus this family. Like there's already enough division, let alone to start off with Romans 13 with the current climate in which we live in and what is our response to this. And I'm going to be honest with you. I just want to say straight up, straight up, up front, I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. I love you and we love you and you're welcome here. It's a great thing about the place where, you, where we live is it's okay to disagree, but it's not okay to hate and be divided. And that goes for church family too. We can have debates and we can talk about a lot of things, but that never should we ever be divided over something stupid. You with me? Love conquers all. I'm glad Hayden agrees with me. See, last week in Romans 12, we talked about worship being a living sacrifice in the world in which we live. Like our act of our response to the first 11 chapters of Romans. And if you missed that, missed the first 11 chapters, please go back. Yes, we are in like the week 13 of the Book of Romans series. Whew, this is the longest series I think I've ever done, but it's been good. We are taking a break next week. Well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. But we, we, talk, we talked about last week about being a living, that, that our response to what God has done in the first 11 chapters was to be a living sacrifice, to lay our lives out on the altar for God. Not the altar in the bedroom, not the altar in the bottle, but the altar that is in heaven. To be a living sacrifice to everything that we do, we do in service to others and service to God. We talked about vertical love, right? That what we give glory to, which should only be God. And that horizontal, how we show that vertical love is how we love horizontally with our brothers and sisters. Loving each other, showing grace, forgiving each other, letting go of things, not holding grudges. And you remember, like, halfway through that, I realized that I was holding a grudge and I had to ask for forgiveness on the spot. <laughs> it's like, God, please don't ever do that again. <laughs> Convict me before. Please. But showing grace, forgiving, being at peace with one another, overcoming evil with good. But how do we do this? How do we do this when we are emotionally and practically challenged with the appearance, and I want you to stay with me no matter what side of the aisle you're on, with, with the appearance, appearance of government overreach? Got tense. <laughs> I came close to not recording this one, y'all. <laughs> like, what is the believer supposed to do when it comes to civil authority? And why did Paul write about it in the next chapter? Like, could you wait until the end, please? Like, that would be a great ending. Like, an, oh, by the way, do this. But what do we do? What do we do when it seems like faith and family are under attack? And I, I, I'm going I'm to step away from this for a minute. I'm going to let you know something like, there's a lot of people that are saying is saying the church in America is being persecuted, and I don't know if we're there yet. Okay, I'm just gonna go over here on a limb and say that we're not because let me just say this: if it, they were if it was just attacking religion or belief systems, 
Like, for example, when everything shut down and churches didn't meet. You with what I'm saying? Like, if it was just churches that didn't meet and the bars were still running, like all these things are still going, you could still go to hockey games or whatever, then I would say, well, that is persecution against the church. You know what I'm saying? But we're, that didn't happen. Everything shut down. Do I believe we're on a hot seat? Absolutely. Because the way the culture is trending right now, it seems like, and then like, I didn't come here for political time. I'm like, listen, I'm, not, I'm the least political person you'll ever meet in your life. All I know is that we came upon Romans 13, and, we're, and I said, I'm going to go through the whole Bible, and here it is. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not saying, I'm not doing any of this as a political thing. I'm not running for office. I'm not trying to convince you to vote one way or the other. Because honestly, at the end of the day, I know who sits on the throne. And it's not Trump, and it's not Biden or Harris or anybody. There, I said it. Revoke our 501c3. Ours doesn't work in Tennessee, apparently, half the time anyway. Just saying. Sorry. I'm waiting for somebody to barge in the back doors back there. But what do we do? Like, standing upon this biblical worldview that we've learned about in the first 12 chapters of Romans, we helps us understand Paul's argument come, come, come Romans 13 but for also understanding limits. How do we respond to the questions like, what do we do when the government asks us to do something that the Bible clearly tells us, not, tells us not to do or when the Bible tells us to do something they tell us not to? What are we to do with civil authority? And it is civil disobedience okay? Because here's the deal, that our, our current culture and in the foreseeable future church will come under attack it's already under attack but it'll be obvious here i believe soon and it has to happen for jesus to return you with me so i'm praying lord jesus come let me have at least one grandkid it better be a while where's the same lyric where you at oh In the foreseeable future, and if questions become this can become a reality, where we will have to make a decision as not shift church, but as the body of Christ, are we going to listen to God or are we going to listen to man? But but how do you what how do you separate that? How do you separate that when Paul starts out Romans thirteen one with this? Every person must submit to the to and support. The authorities over him. For there can be no authority in the universe except by God's appointment. No matter who's in office, God's appointed them to be there for a reason. That's a little scary. Like, what, what is this reason? You look out throughout leaders in all of history. Like, you mean to tell me that God appointed Hitler? I mean, according to Romans right here, he did. We'll get to all that here in just a second. So don't be like, why'd you bring up Hitler in church? Well, Every person must submit to and support the authorities over him, for there can be no authority in the universe except by God's appointment, which means that every authority exists 
that exists has been instituted by God. So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God, which results in severe consequences. Like this is getting a little scary, isn't it? This isn't, this is my opinion stuff. This is the, this is what the Bible says. Like I've spent all week going, but, 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 but what about like, I don't feel like I should like, you with me? Result in severe consequences for civil authorities don't intimidate those who are doing good. That's probably should be put out there, right? But those who are doing evil. So do what is right and you'll never need, need to fear those in authority. They will commend you for your good citizenship. Those in authority are God's servants for the good of society. But if you break the law, you have, you have reason to be alarmed. For there are God's agents of punishment to bring criminals to justice. Why do you think they carry weapons? You are compelled to obey them, not just to avoid punishment, but because you want to live with a clean conscience. This is also the reason you pay your taxes. Hello. For the government authorities are God's officials who oversee these things. So it is your duty to pay all taxes and fees that they require and to respect those who are worthy of respect, honor, honoring them accordingly. But it's hard, isn't it? I mean, paying taxes, it automatically comes out of my paycheck. I mean, I don't even have to, like, how much do I calculate? Some of y'all do because you own your own business. I don't have to do that because Knox County is gracious enough. They have a calculator that calculates all that, and they send it in, and I don't have to worry about it. So I pay my taxes. But what about the other part? What if the people in leadership who make the laws, what if I don't agree with the law? What do I do? Well, what does Paul say? Do what they say for you to do. Obey the law. Except for the speed, except for the speed limit one. You can break that one. That one's okay. Especially if you're running late to church. I'm, I understand. God will forgive you. Just kidding. But here's a couple of things. And we'll get go into more detail here. Second, listen, guys. I'm a little nervous about this morning. Not because I don't trust the word of God. I don't. I, I don't trust my voice sometimes. And so, so just bear with me today as I try to, as I get through this. Maybe we can learn something together. But. First things first is that the things that we have to understand from what we just read is this, is that ultimately God has all authority. He has all authority. No one else really has any authority. You with me? So listen, that's why I said at the beginning of this, I don't care who's in office, who's the president, who's the king of England or queen of England, or who's the prince of wherever, they have no authority apart from what is given to them from the one who holds all authority. Kingdoms rise and fall all the time, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. You can see that through history. Like even to the point of, you know, the, the Roman civilization, they thought their leaders were gods. Little did they know, right? Destroyed. Here's another thing that we know about God's authority is that God's authority is internal and external, right? He controls the movements of our hearts. He, he controls how, how we think and how we feel. Like, Derek, I don't know about that. He, he prompts us in directions, doesn't he? He puts people in our, in our path to try to change direction. He puts people in office to help usher in laws. 
God's authority is internal within us and external. And what do we know about from those first couple, seven verses is this, is that earthly authority or government is established and set up by God. We'll find out why here in a second. But here's what we know is also true is that sinners will not make a perfect system. And if one existed, sinners would ruin it. You with me? Go walk outside. I'll show you. Earthly authority or government is established and set up by God, but sinners will not make a perfect system. And if one existed, sinners would ruin it. So why did God establish civil authority to do? That's what we just read it. What did, what did he establish civil authority to do? It says civil authority exists to restrain the vice or immoral or wicked behavior. They're the ones who are supposed to implement laws and carry out those laws and the consequences of those laws for breaking said law. That is why it's against the law to murder and if it's against the law to murder, there has to be a system set up to judge someone who murders. You with me? Because if I had authority to say what is done to someone who murders, it would not be good for They wouldn't get life in jail. They would get death immediately. You with me? That's why God set up a system because he knows our hearts. Well, that's why he set up protocols. Okay, if this happens, this is what we're going to do. He set up government to do that. But what we also know is that sometimes civil authorities can commit some of the biggest atrocities. Right? So what do we do then? Right? What do we do in a Nazi Germany? with a leader that was put into place apparently by God, right? According to Romans 13, for a reason, what's that reason? I don't know. That's one of the things I want answered when I get to heaven. <laughs> you with me? Not, not questioning you, God. I just want to know why. So what do we do in those moments like that? When the Bible is clearly about, and God is for human life and flourishing, no matter what. They matter to God. So what, what do we do? And here's why I think that we exist, as far as the church. Not just shift churches, but the church is that. Before I get to that one, we have to understand, for human life and flourishing that matter to God to happen, if you rem remove laws and law enforcement, people suffer severely. You with me? If you remove laws and law enforcement, people suffer severely. And we've seen that, not only in current culture, but also in through past history, when you remove laws and law enforcement. But here's what, how we fix it, how we as a people fix it, is I believe that the church exists to promote, to promote virtue promote virtue we must model virtue 
that the culture is to have any virtue at all. We are to model good behavior. We are to model what moral living looks like. Because listen, I don't care what the government puts in place. It doesn't control your morality. You with me? Listen, they may put they may put a law into play. I'm not saying they would, but if they put a law into place that says it's okay to murder, morally we can say no, it's not. I'm not going to participate in that law. But just because something's put into place, you know how I know this is true? Go back to Hitler. It was a law to exterminate our Jewish brothers and sisters, wasn't it? And morally, we're told, like, we're told to follow the law. But we have a higher standard, a higher law, our morality that God has placed in our heart. And there was people who shut that thing down, baby. Because they knew, as believers, they had to model virtue if the culture is to have any virtue at all. That's why it's such a push for us as believers to not live like the rest of the world. Because if we do exactly what they do, as they do it, when they do it, why is it any different than, they, why would they view as if they need anything different? Well, you're doing the exact same things I'm doing. This is why the church is needed. And I'm not talking about four walls that we come into. I'm talking about the body of believers. Now, is this important? Absolutely. We'll talk about that here in just a second. It's time for the church to stand up in the midst of a culture, a climate, and a culture that is pushing against faith and family and everything that God designed, how God designed things to work and say, you know what, I'm going to have to take a stand somewhere. What do we do when the very government God has set up here abuses its authority and or puts into place laws that is directly against our beliefs? Is civil disobedience okay? Is civil disobedience Okay, and for us to understand that, we have to understand this, is that civil disobedience, here's what it means, is a public, nonviolent, and conscientious act, contrary to the law, usually done with the intent to bring about change in the policies or law of government. As long as it's nonviolent, civil disobedience. Let me give you a, a current example. There's, there's some kids that are doing this, because they just want to be out of class, but there are some kids who have a conviction about the law that was put into place for Knox County Schools to have to wear masks. Right? There is some kids who have true convictions, and they're refusing to put on masks, so they're being isolated. That is civil disobedience, because it is a law in Knox County Schools right now for students to wear a mask. I hate wearing masks. If I go back a couple of Romans, I could fight the argument of saying it says not to wear a mask. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do that because that's not really what it means. So don't do that kind of stuff either. You with me? I hate when, I hate when Christians do that. Take a verse. That's, that's not what it means. But I came close to going, well, I'll have a religious exemption because it says not to wear a mask. That's not what. what no. here's, 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 a, here's a good one. Rosa Parks. In the Birmingham bus lines, it was, a, it was against the law for African-American people to sit in the front of the bus, especially when a white passenger stepped on who needed a seat, and she, removed, she, removed, she refused to re, remove herself to sit in the back of the bus. 
That's civil disobedience, nonviolent, nonviolent action to change policies or the law of government. Everything Martin Luther King did <laughs> was civil disobedience, nonviolent. With current culture trending against faith, family, and freedom, this may become a reality for those of us who are true believers. I'll get to that here in a second. So what do we do when the government commands us to do something God forbids? What are some examples of civil disobedience? You look at Rahab in the Old Testament. When God, when Israelites were coming to, to face, to, to, to collect the land they were promised by God, they entered the city, right? And they needed a place, a place to hide. Rahab, a prostitute, said, you can come hide in my house. And they came, it was against the law to hide foreign spies in your house, obviously. They would come looking. Oh, they're not here. They're not here. Civil disobedience. And she was actually rewarded to be a part of Jesus' lineage. Well, genealogy. Lineage comes afterward, Derek. She was part of Jesus' genealogy. What about the Hebrew midwives who were told to kill all the male babies between a certain age? What did Moses' mama do? Hit them in a closet. Eventually, when, probably when he got to be in one of them crime fits, put them in a basket, sent them down so they wouldn't be found, right? That's a joke. Ha ha. She hit, she, Moses' mom hid, hid him in the closet. That's civil disobedience. That's civil law versus moral, morality. What about Daniel's friends not bowing down? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody been to Sunday school? They were told to bow down before the statue of, king, of the king. And when there are 300,000 fellow citizens bowed down the three stayed standing they didn't bow down to the statue that was civil disobedience and there was a consequence for their for their civil disobedience wasn't there they were thrown in a fiery furnace but Christ was with them who's that fourth man that I see walking around like like he's a son of a god it's Jesus it's a Christophany it's a Big theological word means that an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. You know, sometimes I have to pull those stuff out to remind myself that I went to school. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't that. I, I, well, I am pretty dumb. But what if? What if the government forbids me to do something God commands me to do? You with me? Like God commands me to pray, to speak to him. But it became against the law for, Dan, for Daniel to pray. And for, for 30 days, for 30 days, he was told, you cannot pray to your God for these 30 days. You know what he did? Three times a day, he went up to his room, opened his window. said, I'll show you. Now, he, I don't know if that was a violent throw open of the windows. I don't know. You get close. It depends on how he how how he shoved it out, I guess. But for three for three times a day, he would pray, and he was brought before the king. Civil disobedience. Who here's a good one? Here's a good one, because you're like, all oh, these are Old Testament. One. That the New Testament, God's different. Love looks like this. Whatever. What about Paul? Who was killed by the state 
for preaching the gospel. Paul, killed for doing what I'm doing right now, talking to people about Jesus. He was told, you better stop, and he goes, I ain't stopping. Man, I ain't going to throw hands, but I'm going to keep speaking. You with me? So as I was writing, while I was doing this, I was like, man, I'm, I need a good story to tell. A good story. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, there's this one. Our friend Luke told us about a time when a couple of our brothers and sisters, our friends, decided to be civ civilly disobedient. And it's this. Listen to this. It's a cool story. In Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 17, he says, The high priest and his officials who formed the party. So here you have to understand. Before this, there were some disciples who were healing people. Miracles were happening. They were telling people about Jesus and the other religious leaders of that day, the, the Sadducees, because they're so sad, you see, and the Pharisees who weren't very fair, you see. You with me? I'm bringing out some Sunday school, baby. That, they, they, they were very jealous of, well, really, they were jealous of that. They, were getting, they weren't getting the attention that these disciples were. But they also hated the message of Jesus. Because everything that they had worked for their whole entire life, to be where they are, to have the authority that they have in this life right now, is being shattered by a bunch of nobodies. Trying to tell everybody. No, sorry, it's a song. It's in my head. Who sings that song? Zach Williams? Casting Crowns. Yeah, that is. So that's really what it was all about. They're about, they about to lose something in their pocket, really, if you get down to it. Here's what he, here's, so here's what the, happened. The high priest and his, and his officials who formed the party of Sadducees became extremely jealous over all that was happening. All the miracles, all the Jesus people being saved and all that stuff. So they had the apostles arrested, placed in chains, and thrown into jail. Are we want to be thrown into jail for the message that we preach, honestly. Like if they walked in here right now, would you be like, cuff me, I ain't stopping. Would you? Honestly. But I have bills to pay, Derek. What if I spend... Toss that one out there. But during the night, the Lord sent an angel who appeared before them. He supernaturally opened, opened their prison doors and brought the apostles outside. Go, the angel told them. But if I go, they may re-arrest me and they'll, uh, they'll, they'll get a new charge of escaping jail. And I don't know what that, how many years I'd get for that. Stand in the temple courts... Preach the words that bring life. Home in it. I, that's just what I got arrested for. The law says I have to stop. Angel, you're telling me to go back to the very spot I was arrested da, 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 and preach the same message that got me here in the first place. Stand in the temple courts and preach the words that bring life. So early that morning, they entered the temple courts and taught the people. This is civil disobedience. The high priest and his officials, unaware of their supernatural release from prison, convened the members of the Supreme Council. Sometimes you're going to take a stand for the gospel, and something miraculous is going to happen. You're going to be set free, but I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes the freedom doesn't look what freedom looks like here. Sometimes it's the freedom in here, just so you guys are aware. The high priest and his officials were unaware of their supernatural release from prison, convened convened the members of the Supreme Council. They sent for the apostles to be brought to them from prison. Where are they at, y'all? Where are they at? They're in the, they're in the temple court talking about Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine walking up to, to, 
to the jail cell going, I'm here to get the two prisoners that were here for preaching the gospel. And they go to open the door. I'm getting ahead of myself. But when the officer came to the prison cell, it was, hold up. I, I personally brought them in here last night. You guys have been standing here all night long guarding and you didn't see them get out. At that point, I think I would become a believer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just saying. They returned to the council and informed them, we found the jail securely locked and the guards standing by their cell. It means there's people beside the door making sure nobody came in and nobody came out. We found the jail securely locked and the guards standing by their cell, but when we opened the door, there was no one inside. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this report, they were perplexed. Yeah. Someone came and informed them. Some snitch. Someone came and informed them, the men you put in prison are out there standing in the temple courts teaching the people. So the captain of the temple guard and his officials went to arrest them once again, but without using force because they were scared. You with me? That's really what all this is about is fear. Fear of authority that they don't really have. Just saying. For they were afraid the people would stone them. When they brought them before, before the council, the high priest demanded an explanation, saying, didn't we strictly warn you that you were never again, again teach in his name, but instead you, you have now filled all of Jerusalem with this doctrine and are committing, uh, and committed to holding us responsible for this man's death because you are. Just saying. Peter and the apostle replied, we must listen to and obey God more than pleasing religious leaders. We'll put it in our context for today. We must listen and obey God more than pleasing the mayor. We must listen and obey God more than pleasing Trump or Biden. We'll make sure I got both of them in there so nobody gets mad at me and sends me an email. We must listen and obey God more than pleasing my boss at work. It is always better to do what God tells us even if the government tells us no. You with me? But we do it not in anger, not hostile, because apparently, I mean, obviously that's not working. Do it with humility. We'll get to all this in a minute. But it's always better to do what God tells us, even if the government tells us no. And so that you guys are aware what shift about shift church, we will always do what the Father tells us, even if it gets even if it goes against what the government tells us. Guess what? And we'll face the consequences with humility and gracefully. You with me? So with that being said, just so you guys are aware, we, will, we won't neglect the gathering of ourselves together. I'll be here to preach whoever's here. Because Hebrews 10, 25 tells us, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You with me? 
and see, this is kind of, this, so you where I haven't made a full decision on this, okay, as far as what I'm about to say, but the last 18 months, two years, has given nominal Christianity, people who are nominal Christians, by nominal Christians I mean people who say they are believers but aren't really followers, there's no representation of him in his life, they the COVID stuff, the pandemic stuff, the thing shutting down has given them a way out. Now that people are starting to gather back again, 60% of, of worldwide church attendance has dropped. 60%. And since we've been returning, returned, only 12% have returned of that 60%. It's giving people a way out. And this is, my, this is, this is on the conviction that I've been working on for the last couple of weeks. And I, I love technology and I love what we get to do, but I'm beginning to wonder if Facebook Live, not just here but across the world, is giving people a way out of gathering with like-minded people. I'm just going to be honest. I, don't know, I, haven't, I haven't decided where I landed on that yet. I know it's good at times. No, we have tons of people that listen. I appreciate you listening, but I just don't know because being here with people is, is better than looking at me at a screen. Trust me, they're a lot better looking than me. So I'm starting to be. I'm starting. I have a little bit of a conviction. Am I giving people a way out? Is the church giving people a way out? If you disagree with me, put that in the comments. Let me know. That's that's not really that's really neglecting meeting together. It is. But we won't neglect the gathering of ourselves together. Now, you're like, Derek, but there was that one time when a bunch of people were sick and you canceled church. Yeah, that's appropriate. You with me? Listen, if the parking lot is flooded again and people can't get from the parking lots to the door, like, it'd be pointless for me to say, hey, come get kneecap deep water. You with me? If it's snowing outside and it's a danger, I may say, hey, stay home. We're going to just tune in this way. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's understandable. Common sense. I wish people had some of that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but when it comes, but I will, I'll be the first to tell you if, if, government says we're shutting everything down people can't meet i will be here to preach to whoever wants to be here you with me we're not going to neglect the gathering of ourselves together and i will sorry babe gracefully and humbly take the consequences as needed because it's better for me to obey god than listen to what someone tells me that says we won't forsake giving to the poor we won't forsake speaking of the name that changed us we won't forsake our call to bring virtue to the world we live in. We won't forsake living differently than the rest of the world around us. That's what Shift Church is going to do. But when we do this, we do everything in love. Like Derek, that all that does well, let me just I mean, I just read. And I promise you, like we're in chapter thirteen, there's three more chapters that we're covering. Not today, obviously. Everybody's like, thank God. <laughs> you just read. For the commandment says, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. 
these and other such command, command, commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And my question is, are we really loving our neighbor when, yeah, we'll, we'll go bring, take them some breakfast burritos, but we won't tell them about Jesus? Is that real love? Just saying. Whether they die of hunger or die of obesity, they need to know about Jesus. So are you loving your neighbor? That goes for me too. Thought about that as I was feeding the last two weeks my neighbor's dogs who had the great opportunity of riding dirt bikes all the way from like Canada to back to Knoxville. I'm like, I wish I could do that. One, I wish I could ride a dirt bike. I don't know how, but that seems incredible. I'm, as I'm feeding their dog, I'm like, have I ever really talked to them about life and Jesus? You with me? Just throwing that out there. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. I'm going to repeat this. Love does no wrong to others. So if what you do to someone harms someone else, and you say, I'm doing this out of love, you're not doing it out of love. That is not love. Love does, not, does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. All of them. All of them. Not just some of them. Love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is all the more urgent for you to, to know, know how, how late it is. For you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For us, our salvation is nearer now than when it first believed. If, you, if you're watching anything going on in the world, you know that that's really true. I'm not saying it's going to happen in my lifetime, that Jesus will return. But I'm saying it's, I know we, people have been saying it for centuries. But woo! See, the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of, of right living because we belong to the day. Darkness. I love that old, 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 old worship song. It talks about joy comes in the morning. Joy comes morning. Why? Because we belong to the day. You know, one morning we're going to be woken up, not by chicken crowing, even though it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Ryan Ryan likes some chicken farm farm living. Not by an alarm clock and hitting the snoop, not by our phones, but by a sky bursting wide open. Ooh, and I hope when I wake up and then I'm doing this. Come on, float, float. <laughs> Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties. We must live decent lives for all to see. Not, do not live like the rest of the world. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or immoral living and quarreling or in jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think 
think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Maybe this is the reason why God pressed me this week to do the 43-day fast. Maybe we need to purge some things out of our lives. So that when the day comes, the morning comes, we'll be ready. Or maybe... God wants to prepare us. Wants to prepare us for a, a battle that's not really ours. That's coming. Because we have to make the decision as, as followers of Jesus. Not as shift church people, not as necessarily Christians, but as people who love Jesus, we're going to have to make a decision one day, and I believe it's today, on where we're going to stand. But where we stand, we need to do it in love. And I'm not talking about on one side of the aisle or not, I'm talking about are we going to stand for what is right biblically? And are we willing to face the consequences for it? Do you really believe civilly disobedient when need to, but also follow the law. So when the judge says, wear a mask, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to hate it. But I'm going to wear a mask and sit in my office a lot so I can take it off. You with me? Where wrong is being wronged, I'm going to speak my voice someone is being hurt, I'm going to speak my voice. If they tell me I need to lay down and back off, I'm going to stand up and walk forward. And whatever I do, I'm going to follow what the Word of God says and what God tells me and how the Spirit's leading me before I listen to anyone else. Don't be coming up to me going, well, the Lord told me to tell you because I'm going to communicate too. with me? So I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. If you're a believer in Jesus, we've got to stand for what is right. Even if it makes us look wrong. Even if it goes against everything else going on in culture. Because I believe God truly does change lives. The government has no answers. Obviously. Other governments will we're good. Other governments don't have the answers. But guess what? We know someone who does. And his name is Jesus. To God, I want to thank you for being a God who who loves. I want to thank you for being a God who gives us opportunities to stand for what is right. God, I pray for boldness in times where we need to be bold. I pray for courage in times where we need to be encouraged.
God, I pray for I pray for peace where peace is needed. I pray for the opportunity to stand boldly for my faith. God, give me the courage to stand boldly for my faith.